to unfold your word. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus, just don't uh, help us to conform, but help us to be transformed. Yes. We pray, O oh God, for light, light from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God's instructions are very important. And the pastor was just uh, talking a while back. He mentioned change agents. In fact, that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Agents of change or agents of light. Amen? Amen. It's important that we get God's instruction. And sometimes his instruction comes, but if we're not sensitive to his instruction, we can miss it. I remember uh, my father used to always tell us when we were growing up, he said, every time... Before you leave the house, always watch the news and be informed of what's going on before you step out. And I remember, in fact, next month, it will be 25 years that I had a certain experience that kind of underscores what I'm about to say. And it was on April 22, 1990, on a Sunday. If you check it, you'll see it's a Sunday. Getting ready for church. But this particular day... Did not uh, even, because he always told us, listen to the news. He was a news buff, he still is, he's in his mid-70s now. So that particular day, my brother and I, because my sisters have already come back to the United States, this was in Nigeria, four months before we came back and, and settled finally back to the United States. And so we walked up, woke up that day, and we had a five-mile walk to church, a five-mile walk. In fact, I had to confirm this with my brother. Because I, I used to say it was three miles. He said it was five miles. And when I thought about it, it was a very long walk. So we started our journey that day, and it was very unusual. As we walked out, we heard all kinds of radios blasting all over the place. But what, what, is, what, is, this, what is going on? Could not tell. As we kept walking, the whole place was quiet. It was until we got to the marketplace where the transportation uh, where the public transportation was, that we noticed that something was definitely wrong because no transportation was so quiet. So when we crossed over and got, finally got to church, there were a handful of people in the church, and then the pastor broke the news that there had been a coup, or attempted coup, and I'm sure many of you will remember that, April 22, 1990. And then the pastor went on to say that, oh, wow, look at the group of people that came. These are the faithful ones. And I was saying to myself, if only I had put my radio on that day. <laughs> Amen. So you can imagine, everything else was a blur from that point. Because we started recounting what we had experienced along the way. Those different signs that we saw that we ignored. Amen. And the most scary part is, my dad used to work for the civil service at the time. He was away, so it was just me and my brother. But as we came back, whose car do we see parked? <laughs> he, was, he was home. And what, what did he say? He says, I told you over and over again, listen before you leave. So many times what God is doing, if we're not sensitive to what his spirit is doing in the earth, we can miss it. Agents of change, agents of light. One of the most important qualities of a change agent is the ability to take responsibility. Because nothing changes until someone takes responsibility for change. Change doesn't just happen. But where do we receive this light, this inspiration? Please open your Bibles to Psalm 36. Psalm 36 and verse 9, one verse. 
Then we'll go to John chapter 1. Psalm 36 verse 9 says, I'm reading from the NIV. It says, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. We live in a world that is full of darkness. But God has placed us here as change agents, agents of light. But it's not a light that comes from us. It's a light that comes from him. Even science tells us that the moon, the moon doesn't have any light of its own. In fact, when we say moonlight, it's really an illusion. The moon doesn't have any light of its own. The moon reflects the light of the sun. But it's also a poor reflector because the moon only reflects back 12% of the light that the, the sun casts on it. So it's important to understand that if the moon rose up today and started boasting about how, how it has light, it has to give reference to the sun. And just like the moon relies on the sun for its light, we rely on the sun, S-O-N, for our light. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's open our Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1 underscores this. I'll read two verses, and then we can also go to 1 John 1, 5. But John chapter 1, verse 4, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him was life, and the life in him was the light of men. Amen? Amen. And then it says, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And then let's go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, in the King James Version says, This then is the message we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So God is pure light. So in order for us to be able to reflect his light, there has to be proximity. Amen? Amen. Because error increases with distance from the source. Woo! I give an example. Years ago, as a college student, we were on, a, uh, on the lawn of the, of the campus. I was walking from, one, walking from one, cla one class to the other. And I saw this person from a, from a distance. So I waved enthusiastically. Okay? Person looked like somebody I knew. But as we came closer, oh my goodness, <laughs> somebody totally different. But from the distance, the person looked like somebody I knew because I was far away. And many times, if we're not careful, that's what happens. Because we're not accurately positioned, just like the moon is accurately positioned, reference to the sun, we don't reflect the light. And the world begins to look at us and our messages and what we do don't, don't gel. But I believe by the Spirit of God that God is going to begin to give us a new understanding. Amen? Amen? So error increases with distance from the source. So God wants to give us illumination. What is illumination? Illumination is a personal revelation of an already existing truth. I repeat, illumination is a personal revelation of an already existing truth. It's not necessarily something new. It's not new truth. It's not new revelation that has never been known, but it's uncovered to you personally. Yes. When you be you're able to see it, when you see it, you own it. And that's what Jesus was saying in the parable of, of, the, of the sea, of the seed. He said the one that, did, that fell by the wayside because of a lack of understanding, 
immediately it was eaten up. So we need illumination from the Spirit of God. Amen? There have been different phases in human history. And one of the, the one of the, actually the most significant one was the appearance of Jesus. Amen? The incarnation, when Jesus came into the earth. Something powerful happened. Because, let me ask you this question. Between the book of Malachi and the New Testament, can anyone guess how many years of, of silence in terms of God speaking to his people? Anybody know? Somebody? 400? Anybody else? 700? Anybody else? How many of us say 400? 700? Undecided. <laughs> it actually is 400. It's 400 years. 400 years of silence. 400 years of silence. So the children of Israel had the revelation of God up unto Malachi, and then at that point, there is silence. At least there's nothing recorded in terms of the inspired word of God to them. But it's interesting to see how Malachi ends. Let's open our Bibles to Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4. I'll read uh, two verses. Malachi chapter 4 says, Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes of judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Very interesting portion of scripture. When you put it in context, that this is the last statement you see in scripture, and then there's a period of 400 years of silence. 400 years of no revelation, 400 years of no prophetic word on, this, on the level of Scripture. But it's interesting that God was preparing himself, and Jesus himself comes. Let's open the Bible to John chapter 1. So we see that 400 years, and you can, that's why when we read in context and see what God did, we should not be too quick to judge the children of Israel. Amen. Imagine that there's 400 years of silence, and all of a sudden Jesus comes and says, I am the one he was prophesying about. The human reaction was, who is this guy? Right? And especially when he knew his background. Perhaps the furniture in their house was made by Joseph Incorporated. So he knew his father, and perhaps, perhaps he was the one that delivered some furniture to their house. And they remember him. So all of a sudden now, this man is saying, I am the son of God. Really? Really? You know? Because up until that time, before the period of silence, the prophets would come, and what would they say? Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. But Jesus did something unusual. When he came, the word became flesh. He did not say, thus saith the Lord. He says, very, very, I say unto thee. Amen? So John chapter 1, this is what it reads. It says, in the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
Now look at this. We've been talking about grace a lot in church, but look, look at verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came to Jesus Christ. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so we read in Malachi chapter 4, just at the tail end, it's interesting what the scriptures say. In fact, let's go back there. Malachi chapter 4, I'm going to read verse 4. It says, Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in horror for all Israel, and the statutes and judgments. So just before the silence, God is telling them. And many times what somebody tells you just before they're about to depart is very significant. God gave them the meat. He says, remember the law of Moses. And then they plunge into silence. But it's interesting, fast forward, Jesus comes on the scene, and the Bible tells us here that through Moses, the law came, but through Jesus Christ came grace and truth. Very significant. So there have been different phases. Then we move into another phase called the apostolic era. In the apostolic era, the church is born. Born in the power of the Spirit. All the fullness of the Spirit was present at the birth of the church. Now I have a question for you. What we saw at the birth of the church, Acts chapter 2 and the whole book of Acts, which is really the Acts of the Holy Spirit, was that just for those days or is it for this day too? Amen. Amen. Because the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But over time, what ends up happening is that the human factor kicks in. Mm. Even though God's revelation is revealed, human beings get in, get in the way. Mm. And when human beings get in the way, just like the moon does not reflect the whole brilliance of the sun, ah. begin to hinder the move of God. And so you see that what ends up happening during the 16th century, the church was involved in, in all kinds of activities in which you are trying to re-earn salvation. So they'll tell you, 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 you need to have your sins forgiven, pay this amount of money. And that triggered the Reformation. And hence we had a man by the name of Luther. You see, this, is a, this is the thing. Insights and illumination is not just seeing something new. It also involves seeing old things in a new way. And so you have uh, Luther. He was looking at the scriptures. He was under the same system. But he looked at the scripture and he said, wait a minute, the just shall live by faith. We don't earn our salvation. And that light, historians say that the Reformation is the second most significant event that happened since the birth of the church. It was so significant that they said even Luther was surprised by how fast it spread. Because people were hungry and they knew that something was off. But when the light came, nothing new, it was all in scripture. And unfortunately, the priests of the time tried to hide and hijack the word of God. They tried to hijack it, and in fact, the translation that they had was not the translation of the people. It was a hidden translation that only they spoke that language. But Luther, God used him, and we are beneficiaries today. Amen? Amen. Now let's fast forward to the 20th century. We had the Azusa Street Revival by a, a, an African-American man, insignificant in the eyes of the world, but through him, came a movement, and as I'm, what I'm trying to bring out here is this. There are different movements that happen that are pockets or portions of truth. 
But it's God's will that he brings all of these things together in these last days. Amen. And I believe that in this room are change agents Amen. that God will use. But it comes with the light of his word. Amen? And then if you look at American history, in the 1940s, they had the healing revivals. At the death of uh, Smith Wigglesworth, he prophesied the move of God. And you had the healing revivals that took place. People like Kenneth Hagin, Oral Roberts came out of that, out of that movement. And you fast forward to the 60s, you have the charismatic movement. And even the Catholics got involved through a man named uh, David Duplessis. God used him to be a liaison to bring in the charismatic renewal. The question is, what is God doing today? God is not just interested in movements. God wants us to be the light. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, we can be relevant as a church. I've been watching lately, specifically social media. And you hear a lot today about the church being relevant. How can we be relevant to the world? Well, there are one or two ways we can be relevant. We can be relevant by compromise, or we can be relevant by wisdom. What do I mean by compromise? Many times, the authority of Scripture, there's a term called syncretism, or pluralism, in which you try to blend opposing beliefs into one system. And that's what's going on in our world today. Many preachers are abandoning the truth of Scripture and becoming relative. Well, well, in fact, there was something alarming that I saw some years ago. A man by the name of Josh McDowell did a survey, went into an evangelical church, specifically into the youth group. And he asked them some questions about the authority of the Bible and about principles that the Bible taught. And to his amazement, he asked this youth group, and most of the answers were like, well, it depends. Things that were solidly scripture that were, you mean, you, it, it, takes, it takes really an effort to try to ignore. They, they, they said, well, it depends. And this was an evangelical, Bible-believing church. That's the age in which we live now, that the, the authority of Scripture is in question. And they're trying to push even the, 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 the preachers to go along. The question is, are we going to compromise the truth to be relevant? Because what we compromise, what we try to keep by compromise, we lose. Yes. We lose our ground. But the second option is wisdom. We can, be, we can be relevant by wisdom. Please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, the words of Jesus in verse 13. Matthew 5, 13 and 14. It says here, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing, but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. So Jesus himself declared that he was the light of the world, but now he tells us that we are the light of the world. But that word salt that you see here also has a figurative meaning. It means prudence. Prudence translates to wisdom. And when we're talking about wisdom, we're not talking about the wisdom of this world. We talk about the wisdom of God. Amen? But Jesus said something also significant in verse 13. He says that you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? 
Well, salt can lose its flavor or saltiness by dilution or by contamination. Dilution. As a pharmacist, we do this all the time. We have what we call suspension. Suspensions. Sometimes you have it in powder form. You add water to it, right? You add water to it, and then it's, it's a suspension. So each time you take it, you have to shake. We have a label that says shake well. Amen? So many cases, what happens is if you take it in its concentrated form, in its normal form, it will have an effect, right? But if you, if you don't follow the prescription, in other words, you, if I add too much water to the drug, it becomes useless. If I use it in, in its concentrated form without diluting it properly, it becomes toxic. The same drug, but different effect. And so dilution, salt can lose its savor by dilution. If we dilute the word, the potency that we saw in the first generation church, we won't see it today. And then contamination, things start coming in. All kinds of things start coming in that the word of God that was once final authority is debatable. And it's happening in many churches even today. Yes. Lord have mercy. Matthew 5, verse 16, it says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Then in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has called us to make an impact. And I'm, I've been reflecting about this lately. I mean, we can't just go through life without leaving evidence that we were here. Amen? Amen? Because impact has been made when you and I leave a place and there's sufficient evidence present to show that we were there. If there's no evidence to show that we were there, then what what is the use? What is the use? Amen. Have you ever watched a scene of a war? The aftermath. Uh, The History Channel, you'll, you'll watch, it'll show you scenes of war, maybe World War II or the Vietnam War. In some cases, you, you may catch a glimpse in which you don't even actually see war footage, but you see the aftermath. As you watch the aftermath, you're saying to yourself, something happened here. Even though you weren't present, you can tell something happened here. And in the same token, when we leave, will there be evidence that we were here? That's the question. But this is what the Bible says. Let's open the Bible to Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah, the 60th chapter. There's something that light does. There's something that light does. Isaiah chapter 60. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. I like this portion of scripture so uh, much because... Isaiah, through the Holy Spirit, is telling the Israelites in this specific context to arise because their light has come. But what I read, when you read further, it tells me something powerful. It did not say preoccupy yourself with darkness. Amen? It says, arise, shine, your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, now look at this part, darkness shall cover the earth. And it goes further, just to qualify, and deep darkness, the people. But the Lord will arise over you. Amen? 
and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. Amen? Arise, shine, for your light is come. So gross darkness will cover the earth. Gross darkness will cover the people. Deep darkness. But the emphasis here is not on the darkness. The emphasis is on the light. Because when light comes, darkness has no choice but to depart. Now, but we need to reposition ourselves and see ourselves the way God sees us. Because there's a difference between the image of God and self-image. All of us are made in the image of God. Amen? We're made in his image. But the question is, do we see ourselves the way God sees us? Many times, what we have in our hand already, God wants to use for his kingdom. But we, if we're not careful, we can undermine what we have and overestimate somebody else's gift. Use what you have. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. There's also a difference between purpose and vision. There's a difference between purpose and vision. I'll give an example. You have two families that decide one day that they're going to design drinking cups. Family A says, I will never buy a drinking cup again. We're going to produce all our cups. So they do that. And the family benefits from from that uh, goal. Next door neighbors, another family that says, you know what? We're going to produce our own drinking cups also. Never going to go to the market again. We'll never buy another drinking cup from the market. So they do the same. But then they don't stop there. They say, not only will we benefit from this, our community will benefit from it. Not only will our community benefit from it, our state will benefit from it. Not only will our state benefit from it, our nation will benefit from it. Amen? In both scenarios, the purpose does not change, but the scope of what each individual sees is different. In many cases, we can even understand our purpose. A lot has been said in the past few years about purpose, but God is saying to us that having discovered your purpose, what next? What do you see? Expand your horizon. Amen? Expand your horizon. And very interesting, there's also a difference between vision and ambition. In the 1960s, at the height of the tent revival, there was a, an evangelist that got a phone call at 3 a.m. in the morning. And what was, so, what was so urgent? Was there an emergency? No. On the other line was another evangelist, and his message was, I have a bigger tent than you do. At 3 a.m. So he saw his fellow evangelists as his competitor. We're supposed to work together. Amen? Amen. And then I used to use that story a lot. And I heard another story similar to this one in October last year. Tommy Barnett out of, I believe it's Arizona. Arizona. He was talking about his experience. At one point in the United States, he had the largest congregation. I mean, the largest auditorium. It it could seat 6,700 at that time. And he receives a phone call. And what is this call? The man began to ask him, uh, Brother Barnett, I see you built a 6,007-seat auditorium. And so he's asking a question. Is that the limit of your building? Can you expand it? Tommy Barnett said, no. He said, are you sure? He said, I'm, I'm sure. The engineer said we are at capacity. 
Oh, so that, that's good. I'm going to build a 7,000-seater. <laughs> these, these things happen. Sad but, sad but true. Sad but true. So what am I trying to say? We are not competing with, with each other. Amen? We're not rivals. We're together. When we work together for the cause of Christ, our light shines brighter. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. And finally, I want us to open our Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to pray this scripture. This scripture has had a, an enormous impact on my life. Colossians chapter 1, the Paul's, the Paul's prayer, the Pauline prayer. It's a powerful prayer that I believe the church in our day needs to begin to pray more. This apostolic prayer, I believe, is a prayer that can do great help by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Colossians 1 verse 7 says, As you have learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ, on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. Verse 9, for this reason also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. I want to go back to verse 9. For this reason, he heard of their love in the Spirit. He says, I, I don't cease to pray for you. That, and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's referring to light. That's the light of God. And the more we pray that, I believe that the Holy Spirit will begin to open our eyes. And what I like about this prayer is that it's not a once and for all prayer. You can pray this over and over and over again. Amen? In Hebrews chapter 12, I'll read these four verses and then we'll pray. It says, in verse 22, it says, But you are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Amen? It's our time to arise and shine. Amen? Amen? It's our time to see ourselves from God's perspective. It's our time to really come back and say, God, open the eyes of my understanding. Flood me with light. So let's just rise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Lord, that the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding unto the simple. I just want us to lift up our hands right now. I want us to pray. He said, Father, open my eyes. Open my eyes. What am I supposed to be doing for your kingdom? Father, flood me with light. Let me see from your perspective. Father, areas in which I am lax, I pray, oh God, that by your light from heaven, my eyes, I will begin to behold and see wondrous things out of your word. For you said in your word, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, O God. 
that indeed the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. We thank you, O God, for this brief word. We pray in the days to come that you will open our eyes. You will flood us with light in the marketplace as we're driving, as we're going our, our business. Lord, open our, our eyes, O God. Flood us with light. Change us, O God, from glory to glory. Yes. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Thank you.